Disruptive CEO Nation is the place where young entrepreneurs and company founders tell it like it is when it comes to their journey, vision, technology, culture, and whatever they feel like. Your host, Allison K. Summers, believes how you choose to play the world is completely up to you, and her guests prove it. Now let's get disruptive. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us at Disruptive CEO Nation this week. We have a great story to tell you. This week, we have a company that really saw a need to do the next generation of mobile and web video coaching and collaboration designed to improve professional learning and, and practice at, at scale. And this really excites me because little known fact for my audience is I actually started my professional life um, as a teacher with a degree in education and then I went into business and I think that always served me well. So I'm excited today to introduce you to TJ Hoffman who is with Sydney. Hey TJ, Hi. welcome Hi. to the show. Thanks. Thanks. I'm very happy to be here. So I know you are going, you're currently operating as the chief operating officer, correct? That's correct, yeah. Um, but you joined them in their first year, and I know that you were sharing with me that you're so proud that Sydney is actually a finalist for a SIA Cody Award. Is that correct this year? We really are very excited about that. We're, it's exciting for a couple of reasons. I mean, number one, just because it is a, uh, a pretty prestigious award in the software industry, but also because it shows that this new and sort of innovative way of learning at work is starting to be recognized as a, uh, a real market. And, you know, we're, we've been banging this drum for, for several years now, and to finally see recognition is really exciting for us. Well, let's talk about when Sydney started, because it's, it's, you've moved way past the startup, and you're now established, but it's still really not, not that old. So give us a little bit about um, when you joined the company and, and, and where you had to take it from there in, the, in a very short period of time. Yeah, so uh, I actually uh, have a very unique perspective on this in that I was actually Sydney's first customer. And so um, so I saw the need for this, much like you, Allison, I sort of made the transition from the education world. I was a teacher and school leader and district leader for 10 years and then, um, and then made the transition into the business world and now am very excited to be working at Sydney. But uh, my the, the, the need that we saw and that Sydney had, was built around was the idea that most people are not fully prepared for the jobs that they're going to have when they show up on day one. And the ways in which, uh, you know, we were looking at it from a school's perspective, the ways that schools address that problem can be pretty varied. You know, they might have workshops, they might have uh, trainings that they have for teachers, they might assign a teacher a mentor, they might uh, hire some people to do some sort of coaching work within the context of the campus. But all of those things are limited by time and space. And we really saw the ability of the mobile devices that we carry around in our pockets every day to be a huge force multiplier for learning at work. And that's really what we built the company around. It's something that we have seen tremendous success with both at the individual school level at universities and, uh, and and even entire districts and, and institutions, statewide institutions of learning uh, around the actually around the around the world, we've seen people doing this in the U.S. and Canada and Japan and in South America, and, and we're we're really excited to see that that's 
starting to catch on uh, in a variety of different learning environments. So share with our listeners some of the actual practical pieces that you that you have um, that your clients would purchase your platform for. Yeah, so we're built around the fundamental principle that people learn best when they learn from other people who are doing the same job as them. And so uh, one of the things that we do is create shared spaces uh, across platforms. So it's a fully integrated web and mobile platform. You can use a smartphone, a tablet, or a a web-connected laptop or computer and, and connect with people anytime, anywhere. And within those spaces, you're sharing evidence. And the biggest form of evidence is sort of the earliest uh, type of evidence that we used was video evidence. So I'll record a video of myself uh, teaching in classroom or giving a presentation or running a meeting and then share that with someone else who does that exact same job, who may or may not be able to actually be there with me while I'm doing it. But then they can observe that and give uh, very targeted feedback. So we call them time-stamped comments, um, but then also aligning that to frameworks and rubrics and best practices and, and looking at that data. But then beyond that, so beyond that, uh, that central interaction, uh, companies or schools or any sort of institution uh, is, be, is able to hold all of that data and use it to design broader learning opportunities for people around trends. So you're collecting data on the areas where people need additional support, you're seeing where people are really succeeding and it helps you to match those high flyers, those people who are succeeding at very specific tasks within a job with people who maybe need support in those tasks and giving them an opportunity to learn from one another. So I have a question, I I have, because I know people use their smartphones or their tablets or or a webcam or something. Um, Do you have any issues with uh, the sensitivity around privacy? And what it takes to get everybody to be like all in. And like you said, I think the learning community is out of all of our professional workers probably in the world, the learning community is very accustomed to this and usually desires the the feedback and the partnership. Yeah, so I mean that's a great question. And it really is one of the two biggest technical challenges that we help institutions overcome. So like I said, the bulk of our customers are schools and universities, and, and they have some very specific privacy challenges that they need to deal with because you're dealing with children and you're dealing with student data and that sort of stuff. But we also see companies do this when they're dealing with proprietary practices that they don't necessarily want out there on the internet or on another uh, cloud sharing platform where you might be mining their data. So Uh, So everything that happens within the Sydney platform is password protected and secure and only available to the people who need access to it. So we use a a structure within the platform that we call huddles. And just like a huddle in in athletics, you know, the people who are in that huddle are the only people who need to know what the plays are. And uh, so that's how we structure it. And that gives people the opportunity to, quickly join and leave huddles and share information with one another while maintaining security over all of that data. So I have to ask you, and I, I love this question, but you know, what scares you the most about robots? Because you, you are a very technology-based company, and, and what causes you the most concern? Yeah, I mean, I think that the, uh, an early trend that we're seeing in professional learning, and again, this is, I think, across a a host of different industries is 
the idea that AI is going to be able to quickly identify and recommend learning for a uh, for a particular person while they're trying to figure out how to do a job at work. So you know, you see these MOOCs, you see big companies who are housing a tremendous amount of information within online platforms and then using AI to be able to uh, recommend content for a, for a particular person. And that's fine. I mean, I don't on the face necessarily see that as a problem, but the fundamental barrier between that and really authentic learning is that it's based on what I, as a consumer of knowledge, think I need to know. And I think all of us who've had any experience working in any particular job is that uh, we know that we don't really know what we don't know. And so we miss some significant blind spots. And, you know, right now the AI isn't ready to, uh, to be able to recommend around those blind spots without someone making an intervention and saying, Hey, listen, this is what you're missing. This is what you need to really learn about. And so while we are doing work to figure out some really exciting sort of bot based recommendations, uh, we don't think that right now there's enough uh, human interaction. And, and really, we believe that learning is a human practice and that people need the opportunity to have more human interactions with one another. The thing that technology helps with in that, uh, in that particular um, challenge is that I don't often have the chance to interact with my coworkers around my own work and get feedback and learn and grow on a day-to-day -day basis with enough frequency to make a difference in the way that I do my job. And, and being able to use technology to make those an asynchronous experience but still maintain that sort of confidentiality that we want is really where we think the biggest opportunity is right now. So let's talk about the growth of your company. When you joined, um, and like we said, it, it wasn't even a year old yet. Um, how did you build those early teams and where do you stand today in your company size? Yeah, so, uh, so in terms of uh, customers, you know, we've seen, uh, we've doubled in growth every year uh, from that first school district uh, here in the Houston area that, again, I was the customer, um, to, uh, to schools and districts and universities and companies uh, around the world and to the point where we work with uh, some pretty big-sized companies to power this kind of learning with them as well. Um, we're, in, we're, we're supporting you know, hundreds of thousands of teachers in thousands of schools around the world. And um, the way in which we've accomplished that up until this point has been pretty missionary based because we're building a new market, right? Like we're building a product that is in no ways a commodity. And so it's been a lot of missionary sales work. Uh, and, and Dave Wakefield, the CEO, and I and, and some of the core members of our team have spent tremendous amounts of time working with individuals, uh, individual schools, individual universities, individual professors at universities to really spread this work. But what we found when it comes to scalability of a sales model is that for us at least, uh, learning is such, a, um, is such a personal experience for people that you need to find someone who's going to have that experience for themselves early on. So uh, that, that, that's where we try to scale. We find that one person, 
That may be an individual coach working with a handful of teachers. That may be one school working with a, 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 a group of their, with their particular teachers and setting them up for success. So, you know, I mean, one of our central premises is that as a, from a financial perspective, our success as a company is built on renewals and, and based on and, and keeping churn as low as possible. And what, we, what we've learned is that investing significantly in customer success and really hiring people who can become experts, not just on our software, but also on the, um, on the customer themselves who have a lot of subject matter expertise. So we hire um, former SIMI users, we hire educators, we hire people with a background in the, in the world who can speak our customers' language and quickly get them set up for success with the platform. That's had a tremendous effect on our renewal rate with customers from year over year. And that has been a really good, solid foundation for us to use as opportunities for expansion down the road. So in that process, we know it wasn't all, all perfection and it all just didn't follow a straight line path. Can you share um, something that was perhaps a rough spot for you all as, as you were on this build, business building journey? Yeah, and I think that this is something that a lot of startups face, and I think it's, uh, it can be a, um, a tempting challenge to try and overcome, which is that you know, you get some early customers and those customers can sometimes be uh, institutions. So, you know, for us, several of our early customers were school districts. And so they were larger contract values than what we saw from uh, the sort of traditional, you're making this uh, comparison between an enterprise and small SMB uh, type of customers, you know, which, which path do you you take and, and we definitely went down the enterprise route early on because we were seeing some success with those uh, early enterprises that we partnered with uh, early on and, and and that was great but again when you're looking at scalability and you really want to build a robust network of users um, within within your client base what we've found is that the, the time to close for those enterprises are, are, is really, really slow and not necessarily the best way to get in with them. Uh, we, we learned quickly that if you can get in with one of those SMBs, if you can get in with, with a particular department or with a particular campus and then set them up for success, that immediately in year two becomes four schools, 10 schools, 40 schools, 100 schools, because these networks of people are all talking to one another and they do the selling for you. And it's so much easier to expand that way uh, than to try and get into the enterprise and chase that really exciting, big initial uh, total contract value in year one. Um, it, it is just, we move much quicker in this land and expand model. Yeah, that, that's an interesting way to go about it. Um, and I think it, it's, it's that ad, adapt and adopt theory and, which on of all, because you, you go to your website and you've got so many different things that you do for educators. Is there one that you say is the, the, the key that people use the most? Yeah, I mean, I think that for, for most people, it's powering the work of coaches. And I think that, you know, this is, again, something that might be comparable where you've got someone who's a mid-manager who has you know, 10 or 12, or, or in some cases, 30 or 40 direct reports, and you want to help all those people grow. But again, 
you have too many of them and there are only so many hours in the day. And that is, um, that's where we've seen the most success at the school level is with, with instructional coaches and assistant principals whose job is to support either a, a department or team of teachers or an entire campus of teachers. They want to work with them, but that's one of, you know, that's, that, is, that accounts for 5% of their total work product that they have to do, but they just don't have the time to do it. And they found that by using uh, this, this asynchronous mobile solution where teachers are able to share directly with them, they're not having to go into their classroom and watch them teach. Um, the teacher records themselves and shares it with them in a huddle, and they're able to have conversations over time that previously never would have happened. Um, that's really where we've seen the most adoption, which is funny because that's not really what Dave and I initially sought out to do. Um, this is, a, I think, another good thing to learn um, for people who are starting something is that frequently you, you start a company with the idea that you're going to solve a particular problem and you can stick to that problem. For us, it was teacher collaboration. We really wanted to make teacher collaboration an easier experience. And we still do, for sure. Um, but that's not where our customers tend to use the product the most because they're really thinking about that, that coach to teacher relationship and how to improve the frequency and quality of those interactions. So if we came back and talked to you in five years, what would the crystal ball say? What do you, what do you, what's your hope and ambition for the business down the line? So, I mean, we really do, and I, and I sort of alluded to this when you, when you asked me about the robots that scare me, but we do actually think that uh, down the road, there's an opportunity to create some automation around this for learning and really create learning pathways for people so that when you start a job, you start along a path of learning that is evidence-based and not just based on the things you want to learn. But based on your work, uh, you, you sort of upload that work into Sydney and then, and then based on what, what you submit, we find ways to recommend new learning opportunities for you down the road. Um, I think that that's, that's something that we're the most excited about. But I think also, you know, uh, schools were, were obviously where Dave and I found early adoption in the company. It's where we both came from professionally before starting Sydney. And, um, and it's something that we care very much about because we believe that every kid deserves uh, an outstanding teacher and, and that requires work. But I think that this is going to be a, a new way of working in the future. You know, I mean, I think with the, the future of work movement and with so much of what's happening in the job market, you know, I have three college degrees that have cost me a tremendous amount of money and, uh, and, and, and an investment of time. And I'm grateful for every single one of them, but I wouldn't necessarily say that they, that they were complete in teaching me everything I needed to learn to be successful in my day-to-day -day job. And I think that as people start to evolve more in the workplace, we're always going to need to be learning at work. And the way that Sydney enters into that is making it much easier for people to connect, but then also making it easier for me to carry that learning with me throughout my career and build out these portfolios of learning so that I can make a transition from one industry to the next much more easily than I would have been able to even five, 10 years ago when all the barrier between those two things was a certification or a degree or something like that. 
I think that there's a real opportunity for us to rethink the way that people learn to do jobs in the, in the next couple of decades. I don't know, TJ, all I think is you're going to put a SIMI app on my phone, I'm going to take it to a meeting, and it's going to auto-generate lessons and patience. That's what <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think what you're saying is, is right. I, I would love to see how you grow this company and, and take it into more of a corporate application because as, as, as we discussed, having gone to school to be a, a, a teacher, to be a professional educator, and then it just so happened that I, I fell into business and I've spent 30 years in, in business, but I still think those fundamentals of how I've approached self-evaluation and, and learning and then mentoring and coaching my um, employees and the teams underneath me, it's a very different mindset that I think the business world needs. And I think if you could figure out how to get this application in business um, and get people comfortable with this, um, you know, constant, this notion of constant improvement and constant learning, um, you know, it'd be fabulous on so many different different levels. Um, so I'm going to ask you, we're going to, we're done talking about the company really quick. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I, I know you have an MBA in educational entrepreneurship. Is that correct? Yeah. So it's in specialization. Yeah. Um, so what's next for you? Um, uh, you know, growing Sydney, anything else on the horizon for you? Well, I'm really committed to the success of Sydney just because I really do believe in the sort of macroeconomics uh, that we can we can help people with. I mean, I, I see this as one of the great challenges of my generation is uh, really rethinking the way that people uh, move throughout their careers and move throughout the workforce. And so I'm pretty committed to this. Um, and, and, and luckily, you know, Sydney is growing at a rapid enough rate that I feel like we're having real success. And so, uh, so yeah, I mean, this is, this was not at all what I thought I'd be doing with my life. <laughs> you know, I thought I was going to be a superintendent of a school district, but, uh, but it's a pretty exciting time to be working in uh, and seeing the, the huge shifts that we're, we're, uh, we're making as a workforce and, uh, and to be a part of that. Well, thank you so much for joining us and sharing the company's story. If people want to learn more, what should they do? Yeah, definitely. So I would love for people to visit our website, which is just uh, Sydney, S-I-B-M-E dot com. Sydney is kind of a funny word. It's hard for people to uh, recognize sometimes. We, we like to use the acronym C is Believing Me to help people remember uh, how to find it. And uh, you can find us on all social media channels at, at Sydney app dot com, or at Sydney app. That's Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, all those sorts of things. And that is our website as well. Well, thank you. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us. If there is something that TJ said that resonates with you, if you would like to learn more about Sydney or know somebody else that should know about them, please share a version of this podcast. If there is another um, company founder, startup, innovative company doing something that you think we would like to talk with, send us a note at connect at allisonksummers.com. Until then, keep your eye on the future. And JT, thank you again. Thank you. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.